Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. I'm not a fan of gambling. I've purchased a few raffle tickets in my day, and I've played a little bit of cards, uh, but but gambling, yeah, that's trouble. I was having a conversation the other day with uh, producer Amy, and we, you see, when you get into this news business, you are inundated with like story ideas and pitches. There are often publicists around the country, PR people who would like to have you know things that they care about on your radio program. And so there are many that approach us saying, hey, here's an idea. Why don't you talk about this? Here, here's another idea. Why don't you talk about that? One that came across our desk the other day were betting odds, betting odds for this election. Yeah, like if you wanted to place a bet on the presidential election, uh, here are the odds you could get. If you bet this much and this happens, you can get this much back. Pretty simple. Well, it led me to a question, which is, first off, why are they coming at us with this? This is the United States. I don't think we're, I I think it's illegal to vote or to rather to bet on elections here in the United States. And so, you know, you go to Google like you do. You go to U.S. statute. You try looking through history and seeing what the story is. And, yeah, it, it is very clear-cut and dry. Make no bones about it. Here in the United States, we are not a country that votes or rather that bets on elections. We do not bet on elections. It hasn't always been that way, though. It hasn't always been that way. There was a fascinating write-up in uh, the Sports Geek. You ever follow the Sports Geek? It's, uh, it's. I mean, again, I'm not a big gambling fan, so I don't find myself there that often. But I know that it is uh, an outlet for articles and information on like sports gambling. Well, they've got uh, a writer over there, Rex Hoffman. He looked into this very question uh, and answers, can you gamble on presidential elections in the United States? Let me just get to the point real quickly. No, you cannot. No, you cannot. But he goes into uh, into the history books and looks around at some pretty fascinating little bits of history. In the 19th and early 20th century, this is uh, according to, to Mr. Hoffman here, you, can, you could get daily odds from various newspapers for at least a month before the election. The most significant election in terms of dollars wagered was the election of 1916. Betters w- waged over wagered rather over $165 million in that contest. Now, here's the part that was interesting. The betting markets on elections in New York City almost always, this is back then, almost always predicted an election's winner. 
In fact, the market was also a good predictor of whether a vote was going to be close or not. Now, the reason why that, of all of this, when we went down this rabbit hole, it wasn't until uh, that revelation that uh, I got interested in this. And it reminded me, it reminded me of, a, of a book I read some time ago called The Wisdom of Crowds. And, and I, I, look at, I look at betting odds similar to um, like stock market. Movements in the market uh, move similar <clears throat> in, in some ways as uh, betting odds are, are made. And for these betting odds, and for the betters, the, the folks making wagers, to so uh, accurately predict over such a long period of time election winners, uh, it reminded me of a story when the, the Challenger exploded. Yeah, and it was unknown exactly how or what went wrong, what was the malfunction. Ultimately came down to a little piece and uh, a little, uh, I believe, a, an O-ring or a gasket of some sort. Anyway, the stock market, with no information as to what had actually happened, started moving. And there were three companies that could have, uh, as the investigation ensued, could have had a hand in the failing part which brought down the shuttle so dramatically and tragically. The stock market, very early, I think as early as the day following the explosion, moved on one company in particular. And it wasn't until weeks and weeks later, when the investigation was ultimately concluded, that it was found that that company, whose stock suffered so dramatically uh, the day after the explosion of Challenger, was found to be the guilty party. Now, how did the market know that? I don't know. It's a mystery. But our collective wisdom uh, is a fascinating thing. That's a tangent, uh, but I just saw it manifested here in these betting odds. Now, we've established here in the United States, you, you can't bet on elections, okay? I have repeated that uh, countless times during this segment thus far because it is that important to understand. You, you don't bet on elections here. But in other nations, they do. In other nations, they do. In fact, in Europe, you can. Yeah, and there are predictions right now that are showing that up to a billion dollars in wages wagers are possible. Folks could place bets uh, to the tune of $1 billion on this election. Yeah, the estimate is that this election, in terms of like the betting market, may double what took place in 2016. There's a, an agency out there that oversees uh, uh, British sports betting. And they said that it is twice as big as 2016, easily making it the biggest political event ever. Yeah, in, in terms of uh, people betting on that. And honestly, kind of breaks my heart. Kind of breaks my heart. <laughs> because if, if there is one complaint, and there are countless complaints, but if there is one complaint that is often, so often, leveled against uh, political activity, it is that there is too much money in politics. And, you know, think about, think about your friend circle, maybe your family, or maybe just folks you have come in contact with over the years. There are a good number of people out there who have never held elected office themselves and yet are living a very, very comfortable lifestyle. Uh, making money uh, off the goings-on in government. Uh, I know a number of lobbyists uh, who, who live very comfortable lifestyles. That's not a knock on lobbying. I, I do believe it serves a, a very important purpose uh, when executed properly. 
Um, but uh, but for those complaining about there being too much money in politics, uh, why don't you add a billion dollars on top of that? And why don't you look at it from coming across the pond uh, in Great Britain? They are betting. They are betting big. A billion dollars. It's just absolutely astounding stuff. It reminds me of, uh, uh, here we go. No, there it is. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Yeah, I said that phrase earlier today in the newsroom, and not not many folks had heard it. No, and we were debating over where it came from. I first came became aware of winner, winner, chicken dinner in that uh, that movie, 21, from, uh, what was it, 2008 or so? Kevin Spacey's in that, so I guess we're not supposed to watch it anymore. Anyway, uh, betting on politics, it, uh, it kind of makes me sick to my stomach, and I uh, am a little upset that uh, in Great Britain there are those who will quite literally make millions and millions and millions of dollars off gambling, a practice which I've seen with my own eyes destroy lives. I have seen uh, people who engage in gambling, and it consumes them. It completely takes over their life. I have seen life savings spent. I have seen college funds for children spent. I have seen uh, 401k accounts raided, all of it chasing the thrill of money for nothing. And to know that uh, our beautiful election system, and I don't say that to try to make a joke. I believe here in the United States that we have something special. Uh, our system of uh, of elections, our democracy, the way we execute these things, it is unique, it is special, and it does set us apart. And to see it treated uh, as a as a sport, as a money making venture, as uh, you know something akin to going down to the the racetrack on the weekend, it's a heartbreaking thing. Anyway, uh, I'm going to take a break now. When we return, uh, we're going to move away from politics for a little bit, and we're going to set our eyes on space. A fascinating, a fascinating and inspiring milestone has happened here today. For the past 20 years, humankind has been in space. 20 years ago today, the International Space Station started its long mission. We're going to speak with Patrick Wiggins. He'll share with us what it means next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.